0: Today I want to spend some time doing a, a little bit different kind of more of an in-depth Bible study. And the reason I believe that the Holy Spirit is shifting me for the next number of weeks into this into this dimension right. is because there's some things that sometimes when you're in the midst of animation and, and re, you know, really kind of preach, it. You get a good dimension of inspiration, and can I say in our church, we don't lack for that, amen? Would you agree? <laughs> we, we don't lack for inspiration from so many different ways. But along with inspiration, there is dimensions of information that we need in order to have confirmation to the Spirit of the living God as He is bringing transformation to our life. There is a transformative dimension of the Word of God that couples with the anointing of the Spirit in order to bring about uh, the desired end that God has. Now, here's the one thing we need to all understand. God's ultimate intention for us is to look like Jesus. If if you don't have that in your grid, if you don't have that in your perspective, then I want you to know you've probably made Jesus Savior, but not Lord. And unfortunately, the church in the Western world is filled with people that have an understanding about salvation, but have yet to call God by His rightful positioning name, which is Lord. Lord. It is with that context and that understanding that as we look at the book of Philippians over the next number of weeks, and, and it, it's going to take a while, I'm not sure how long because I'm going to be doing kind of a commentary, and this morning I'm going to spend some time in the background of Philippians, and I want you to, I want you to go there, and obviously for those of you that know me very much, you know that I kind of probably have a, a love for Philippians, because I've always wanted to be known as the Apostle of Joy. And in the book of Philippians, the word joy or rejoice is used 16 times. There's a, and interestingly enough, Philippians is a book that connects joy and maturation, or if you will, discipleship. And couples them together. There's joy on the journey of discipleship with God. And so there's this understanding that I believe that we're going to be able to gain as a body that is going to give us incredible strength and insight for the journey. Okay, so two areas of Scripture. We're going to begin in Philippians, take a few verses, and then I'm going to take you to the formation of the church at Philippi, which is found in Acts chapter 16. And there you're going to discover some incredible, absolutely incredible things about the formation of the first church in the European continent. So here we go. Let's start with Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. So this letter, there's a specificity that's drawn, even though it says bishops here, the the real, if you went back to the original Amag word, it's overseer. And it's referring to the local overseers, not a bishop like we would consider who's over a number of churches in an area. That's in other places of the scripture. But in this particular place, it's dealing with those that are overseeing. So there's this Again, this specificity that he's wanting to draw towards them as he writes this letter. Look what he says. Verse 2, a salutation that uh, Paul uses a lot. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, before I go any further and we jump over to Acts and discover this, I want to go back to the first verse where he uses the term bondservant. Can you say that word back to me? Thank you. The word bondservant is different than the word just servant. In fact, in the old King James, it would say bondslave. And this goes to the very point that I made at the beginning of this teaching. A servant was simply like a hired servant that we would have, like a housekeeper or someone that we might have in our house today. They had the ability to come and go. But a bondservant was one who committed their life for life to those in whom they gave service to. And Paul is drawing from from a practice that even takes place way back under the Old Covenant when, when a servant would say, even though if they were given their freedom. They would say that they wanted to become a love slave, if you will, and they would take an aw and, and a hammer and put it in their ear like an like a earring and put a hole in their ear. And this would signify to everyone that saw that servant that that wasn't just any servant, that was a bond servant. That was someone who committed their life to another. I ask you this morning at the beginning of this teaching, have you, in fact, truly committed your life to another? Are you simply living your life and asking Him to bless it? And I, I know that that can be easily a colloquialism that we could put in our vocabulary. But the reality is this, friends, it is this distinguishing mark between whether or not we present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable act of spiritual worship, allowing ourselves not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It is in that distinction, whether we are living life unto ourselves or we're living life unto another, that makes the difference of Lordship have you been marked have you presented your ear for the mark of a bond servant to he who gave all for you it's a vital question and then he then he gives this idea to all the saints Uh, In Christ, we're not talking about the statues that you can find in uh, traditional Catholic or Episcopal churches or things of that nature. We're not talking about those particular. We're talking about you guys, by the way, because whoever's been saved and sanctified holy ghost filled water baptized with Jesus on their mind they transferred from darkness to light <laughs> i mean they they moved they 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 moved from sinner to saint i don't know if you realize that hopefully we've learned to live our lives from the position of sainthood and we're not continuing to identify as sinners saved by the way in the past by grace yes indeed But as long as we live with the mindset of sinners instead of the mindset of saints, we will find the reality of God working in our life at a very low gradient. Because we're not coming into agreement with who He says we are. Wait a minute. Have you been crucified with Christ? Nevertheless, you live. Yet it's not you, but it's Christ living in you. Amen? Christ living in you. The ultimate saint. Well, more about that later. Verse 3 says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with all joy. For your fellowship in the gospel. From the first day. Everybody say, from the first day. From the first day until now. And then another very familiar portion of Scripture. And being, and being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Of course, he's speaking of the return of Jesus. But I want to go back, and I want to now take us to the first day? Everybody say first day. Remember I mentioned to you that we would find the story of the birthing of the church of Philippi. We would find it in the book of Acts 16 beginning in the very first verse. Acts 16. Jesus started the church the way he wanted it. Here's the thing I want you to understand about the area of scripture we're about to go to. We are literally now peering in historically to a church that Jesus started through the Apostle Paul. It's the first church, it's on his second missionary journey, but it's the first church that he establishes in the European Commonwealth, if you will, in in, in all of Europe. And he presses into this place. So what we're going to discover from this is we're going to discover how Jesus started his church as it relates to Philippi I think you might be surprised how it began and I'm going to read some of the text and then I'm going to commentary on some of it or I'm going to just uh, how would you say um, I'm going to summarize so we're not going in every word here in Philippians we'll go through every word but here we'll skip a little bit Beginning in verse 1, then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple uh, was there named Timothy, a son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. That's important for you to hear. Um, And he was well spoken of by the brethren that were in Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted him to, to go with him And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews that were in that region, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, I'm going to stop for just a moment, and I'm going to talk to you about something called expediency. You want to say the word back to me? Expediency. The the reason I use the word expediency here is because it seems incongruent with Paul, who was the one that clearly distinguished... Greeks are all that were non-Jews from Jews, that Greeks did not have to become Jews to be saved, right? That they, that they had, if you would, they had a pass in Christ, and, and because they had this pass in Christ that they could press right into the family of God and the kingdom of God and did not have to come under Judaism. The Torah, the laws, did not have to to come into that place. And yet, Paul's calling this young man to be a part of him, and the first thing he's doing is telling him he needs to be circumcised. Let me just share with you why that is, because if you were just reading through the Scripture, you might think this is a contradiction. But I want you to hear clearly. It's not a contradiction because of expediency's sake. Paul, at that time, was primarily ministering in synagogues. It was impossible for a male that was uncircumcised to go in to a synagogue. He couldn't have assisted Paul in Paul's primary ministry if he remained uncircumcised. It had nothing to do with his salvation it had to do with the acceptance of those that paul was ultimately called not ultimately but at that particular time called to minister to are are you with me by the way, is this going too deep? Is this okay? Can I, can I, get, can I get down? I want you to get in to the verse because this is something that I think is vital for us right now is that we dig deeper into the text and we recognize what it is that God's doing because this is the church that he started and he's calling us to start house churches all over this area. I'm going to show you how exciting it was It wasn't something that was humdrum. I mean, mean, there's so much drama in chapter 16 of exciting things that God did miraculously because Paul was establishing the church that Jesus started. It's a part of a church planting movement. Powerful thing. So... Let's, let's, let's move on from that. And when they went through the cities, they delivered them decrees to keep and, and to determine by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. So this is the early church. Verse 6, here's where some cool drama begins. You ready? Thank you, five. Now, when they had gone through Persia, and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Stop. Did you, did you read what I just read? Did you hear it? The Holy Spirit said, wait a minute, I thought we were supposed to preach the gospel to everybody everywhere, every creature that moves. I am, ma'am. I am. I'm trying to get some clarity here in the house, right? I want you to know, know there there is an effectual door that is opened by the Spirit of God that we must be led by the Spirit of God to pursue. And not just to willy-nilly go out and do it, but to do it under the direction of the Spirit as we pray and hear God's voice, where do we go today? Who do we speak to today? What is on your agenda today? For today is the day that the Lord has made, and I want to rejoice in it, and I want to get to the person that wants to hear my voice so that they can shift their life to Him. I got to recharge. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So this becomes vital and important as, as you read the story they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia it wasn't time it didn't mean it wasn't coming it wasn't time now look after they had come to Mosaiah, they, they tried to go to Bithynia I'm probably butchering these words, but hey, you, if, you're, if you sit up here, you can call them however you want to do them, okay? You with me, all right? But look at this. But the Spirit did not permit. Once again, the Spirit of God did not permit. Well, some of us might be out there going, well, oh, Pastor, you're supposed to be encouraging us to do all this stuff, and instead you're, you're bringing this stuff. No, I'm encouraging you to do it, but I'm encouraging you to do it by the Spirit of the living God so that you have the Spirit of the living God's results. <laughs> you understand? So you don't get discouraged. So you get, in, you get engaged because you realize, I'm, I'm moving with Him. I'm listening to Him. I'm desiring to follow Him. Because He leads me. <laughs> oh my. Okay, let's keep going. Look what it says. So passing by Malaysia, they came to Troas. And here we go, verse 9. Man, I'm almost out of time, and we're at verse 9, but I'm on a press. We got somebody coming in behind us, so we got to do... You ready? Look what happens. Because they listened to the voice of the Spirit, said, no, stop, don't go there. Recalibrated, began to start again. No, stop, don't go there. But But then they settle in. Look what happens. This incredible thing happens with the church of Jesus started because, verse 9 says, a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and a man of Macedonia stood pleading with him saying, come over here and help us. The Macedonia call, and guess what? Macedonia was the center of influence of Philippi. In the region of Philippi, it was right there. So, this is the thing I want you to have as a, as a, as a takeaway, and I, I hope to get just a little bit further. But the thing is, the takeaway is, is that God wants to give you a vision for a supernatural Holy Ghost. Provision of a harvest of souls, of a, of a kingdom revelation, of a church that He wants to birth through your life, through my life, through our lives together as we work together. He wants to give us that clarity because He wants us to come into alignment with Him. And I want you to know, we're living in an immense time of opportunity. woo there are people in pain all around us. All we need to do is hear which painful person God wants to send us in front of, and there's a harvest that's ready. There's a harvest to, to bring in. Stay with me here for just another moment, please. So he gets this vision, and in the vision, there's a Macedonian call. Where we, we've heard that. Now, after he had the vision, immediately they sought to go to Macedonia. Now, what do you get from that? Bible obedience. Wait a minute. I had a vision from God. Now, I could sit around and go, oh, that's too much pizza. Oh, you know, I just had, I just had a fitful night. Or I could sit up in the morning and say, wait a minute. I had this, I had this vision in the night season and I believe I have the mind of Christ because the Bible says I have the mind of Christ. And if it's his mind and he put that in my mind, I'm going to act on it. If I miss it, at least I know I walked in obedience to what I believe, which is I am a possessor of the mind of Christ. You see, you will not ever have yourself in supernatural uh, you know, encounter If you don't believe that there's a supernatural God that is communicating with you. We've we've got we've this is the church Jesus started. Are are you getting this? This is the church of Philippi. When we start reading about Philippians and we start hearing about this is how that church started. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to move to conclusion because I know about my time and I, I know the church after us. I don't want to be um, inconsiderate. But, but let me share this. Huh. this. This moment, this Macedonian call, the beginning of the church, You know, when when Paul showed up there, he did the normal Jewish thing. He looked for a synagogue in the city. There wasn't one. You know why there wasn't one? Because in order for there to be a synagogue, there had to be 10 men that were committed to meeting under Jewish directive in order to establish a synagogue. He didn't find 10 men. You know what he found? He found a few women down the river having a prayer meeting. (laughs) (laughs) you hear what I'm saying he found a few intercessors that were down by the river a few women that were looking and believing and so what did Paul do Paul didn't wait to have some man to lead to Christ. He led Lydia to Christ, a woman who was a woman who was a seller of purple, a woman that had establishment and had influence in the city. And as he began to minister to her, and she came alive under the power of the Spirit, a church was being born. Woo! This is the church that Jesus started. Are you, are you hearing? It goes outside what we might think of our normality, but it goes clearly in agreement with the Spirit's leading and directive. Don't go to Asia. Don't go there. Don't go there. Oh, there's some man that's crying. Come over here. And they find these women. Now, if Paul was a literalist, he'd sit around and go, well, there's no man here, so this must not be it. That's not the way the story goes. (laughs) I hope you're getting in this. Because there's some powerful things for us to unpack as a body of believers to understand how to follow the flow in the fullness of God's Spirit. Because he's building a church here Just like that little saying I've been saying for 30 some odd years. Jesus started the church the way he wanted it. Now he wants the church the way he started it. God, teach us what that looks like so that we can be that reflection for you. Amen? I'd envision this service going somewhat different than what it has due to the time we had in worship and and kind of that... Uh, pre-message that I gave but I just want to share with you as we conclude and say amen I want to say that I'm so grateful for the time that God has us here together during this divine assignment to where we can literally be this answer to the John 17 prayer that Jesus prayed we could be a part of that answer to see every tribe and every tongue every nation To come in unity before the Lord and to give Him glory and honor and praise. And so it's my hope and prayer today that you guys would be encouraged in your spirit. And would you do this for me? Would you read through the first chapter of Philippians this week? Give yourself some time to just kind of peruse through Philippians chapter 1. And next week we will go through that chapter uh, together. And we're going to discover some other things. And we're not quite yet finished with this Acts 16 story. There's a lot more exciting things that are ahead in the establishment of the church at Philippi. It only begins where I've shared with you. But man, God does some powerful things to solidify that church in an incredible way. Father, this morning, would you press upon those that are here in this house that they're here by divine appointment. And God, that something by your Spirit that has been said or sung or spoken, Lord, was just for them to move them closer into deeper encounter with you. So we pray this morning, Father, that you would release an anointing upon their life, God, that would would teach them that we could pray like Paul prayed over the church of Philippi, that they would be strengthened and that grace and that peace would prevail in their life. We will be careful as always to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday.